Well, hello and welcome, everyone. It is Kate, Kira, and and welcome back to our podcast, Lotus, where we discuss everything from periods to uteruses to ovaries and everything and anything relating to women plus reproductive health. Um, Before we kind of dive into our episode today, we thought we would give a few general updates um, about Lotus as a whole. We have some very exciting new um, additions to our venture that have really kind of made us super excited about what is to come. So one of those big additions is we have finally launched our Geneva page. So for those who are a little bit unfamiliar with Geneva, it is a community platform built for discussion and conversation. And so before we end up launching our own app, we are excited to offer this platform as a space for all of us to connect and talk about reproductive health. And it's been awesome. So we will have the link in um, our Spotify bio or Apple podcast bio, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, you can also find all the information on our Instagram as well. Um, in addition to that, we are also revamping our TikTok. Love. So please, yeah, <laughs> we are channeling our inner influencer and are now posting TikToks all the time. So if you don't follow us on TikTok, um, please follow us on TikTok. And last but not least, um, kind of an exciting announcement, but um, or I guess exciting for us, but we will be presenting uh, to a few thousand people in Brazil in a f- uh, few weeks, actually, um, to talk about Lotus and to talk about the Harvard Health Lab and the Harvard iLab and all the initiatives going on here. And then also kind of tell um, a lot of Brazilian students our story and how Lotus kind of came to be. So we're really excited. We'll have more information on that later, but we're excited for it. Um, yeah. Anything else, Mag, Kira? No. Any other updates? Love it. Perfect. I I it. Yeah. I feel like that's Super it. excited about all of it. <laughs> you have a lot of great things in store. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, as always, we will get into our fun fact of the day. Um, this one sort of relates to Mag's and what she's going to discuss today. Um, But there are many different manifestations of congenital anomalies that may impact the development of reproductive tracts. So, for instance, the uterus, Um, there is a subtype of reproductive anomalies called malarian anomalies, which can affect up to 4% of individuals with female reproductive anatomy. And experts from Penn Medicine describe these as congenital disorders, meaning it occurs during fetal development and is present at birth. And a wide variety of malformations can occur when the system is disrupted. Thank you so much for sharing that, Kira. I truly did not know, actually, that up to 4% of Women Plus could be impacted by this kind of anomaly. And I know that's still like a low kind of number and still relatively rare, but it's honestly like a little bit higher than I thought. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I always think about it like, okay, if you have, like, 100 people in a room and four of them have this, like, right. yes, that's, like, not a lot. But at the same time, that's still four people. Like, right. <laughs> it feels a little bit more, and I think, obviously, we'll get to this, and this is totally a very big theme in all of our conversations, but, you know, when something isn't really talked about, it feels way more rare or mm-hmm. way more scary than mm-hmm. it actually is. So Totally. I feel like we probably think that because this isn't really a widespread conversation yet. <laughs> so <laughs> No, that's it. I think that's word. exactly right. Like you just would never know because people don't bring it up. It feels difficult no. to talk about. Um, 
Yeah, but I would say like, I'm so excited. And as I was telling you guys earlier, a little bit nervous to dive into the podcast today, Mm -hmm. um, since it's focusing on me and my own reproductive health journey and kind of what that means to me. And for those that are listening, that we're kind of all in the same boat here. Like, I think for us, we're three women that are trying to kind of destigmatize this discussion. But on the other hand, like, we're also just in this society that does stigmatize totally. it. So it still is difficult and it's still scary. Um, but that being said, I'm really excited and looking forward to sharing my story. Awesome. And what, what would you say is like sort of making you nervous to talk about this? Yeah, I feel like societally, I think um, most young women plus in the United States are kind of taught to keep these types of things themselves. Like I remember back in middle school, like when you, I don't know what you guys had, but we had like the talk one day and it was like this big lead up before spring break that we were like watching the movie and having the talk. Um, and I just remember they kind of were teaching us the best ways to hide our period products to avoid any embarrassment. Like, I don't know, kind of making it the most secretive as you could like in school because of like this weird shame. I don't know. Did you guys ever like have any of those types of conversations? Oh my gosh. I feel like my middle school like health period, sexual health experience was exactly how you said. (laughs) Like it was all about like everybody would be like whispering on their way into class and it'd be like, ooh, we're going to talk about this and this. And then (laughs) it was just like, first of all, also, I think this is a whole nother conversation, but just how especially Women Plus's reproductive health is talked about. Um, Mm. Like I think just the delivery of a lot of, um, you know, elements relating to periods and kind of what that means as part of your menstrual cycle and Mm. all of these things. I think the the conversation generally and the education, I think, has a long way to go because it does mm-hmm. emphasize these elements of secrecy. And so mm-hmm. I think it was both societally, there's like, you know, all your friends are like, ooh, a little bit secretive. But then also the way that it was taught to us was, as you said, Max, <laughs> like a delivery of secrecy. So yeah, that obviously That'd actually be another- change. That'd be an interesting podcast, actually. I think we should revisit that. Whoa, we could <laughs> all talk really about- cool. I'll talk about our middle school health experiences. (laughs) No, I agree. That sounds awesome. Um, Definitely. But yeah, I guess so just from a younger time, it was already difficult to talk about those types of things. Um, But then later on, when things like were not quote unquote normal, it became like even more difficult. Um, So like even now as someone that's kind of with Lotus and try to talk about these things more frequently, um, I still find it even difficult to open up because it is so personal. Um, And I was realizing, you know, like before this past year with everything with you guys and Lotus that I really only shared that with my close friends and family. Um, And then I finally realized eventually that, you know, this wasn't a me problem. Like this was more of a societal problem um, that was like the biggest issue. No, totally. Yeah, I remember like right before we recorded my episode too, I was like really anxious. So I was like doing jumping jacks in the the living room because I was like, holy fuck, I need to calm down. Yeah. Um, So there definitely is this element, you know, even though we are talking about these things, it's certainly not easy. So Mm -hmm. thank you, Mags, for doing this. I think this conversation is going to be equally insightful and beautiful and just a really great 
conversation. So I think maybe to start, you know, you were kind of talking about how obviously there's this nervousness and Mm -hmm. all of the secrecy that kind of goes behind the scene with these issues. But what exactly made you start feeling like you wanted to open up about this? Like what made you realize that there was kind of a problem um, both for you, but then also in society and just how did that lead to your, you know, own discussion about these things? Yeah, um, I would say it was actually like about maybe a little bit over a year ago now when I started applying to medical school that Mm -hmm. they asked this question when you're in the applications of like why medicine for your personal statement. Um, And when I was like really thinking about it and processing like exactly why I wanted to go into medicine and like really had to think about it, I realized that going through my own reproductive health journey was so impactful and like kind of this major event in my life that I was like, okay, this is actually really a huge reason why I want to go into medicine and help this kind of population. Um, So the first time I ever really like had to talk about it with someone who wasn't like my close family or friends was my advisor for medical school who was reading my statement and helping me edit um, and things like that. And then soon thereafter, when I met Kate, actually, we were on a trip with school abroad, like shadowing abroad. It was so cool. And I remember we were all together. I was like on the older end of the group. Who, so I had like already <laughs> started the process of applying to med school and they're asking like, oh, what's your personal statement about? Like, how did you get to the, like, how did you decide what you wanted to talk about? And I was like, ooh, I don't know if you guys really want to know, but it's kind of heavy. Like, let's get into it. Um, but then I actually didn't realize that in that moment that things were about to change so drastically because when I shared yeah. my story, I remember Kate like having tears in her eyes and realizing that we had both as young people heard really tough news about our future fertility and what that might look like and we shared this really incredible moment where we realized like there are other people that have gone through these things at a young age and it's really hard and I don't know Kate I just remember that like so vividly (laughs) it like honestly makes me a little emotional now because I just think about how far both of us have come Mm -hmm. and to think like a year and a half ago I was in the same boat I had never told anyone about my reproductive health I Mm -hmm. was ashamed I was anxious I couldn't even talk about it with my doctors like Mm -hmm. it was such a big part of my life that I kept locked away and then all of a sudden you said that and it was like my whole world like flipped (laughs) and I was like wait hold on what did you just say (laughs) and then I remember we had I think the next day or something we had a super long conversation on a train because we were coming Mm -hmm. back from a program event and it was just like this moment of like wow never in my life have I ever met anyone who has had these same thoughts and feelings and emotions and it was just like whoa and then everything kind of you know went from there so it was it was yeah a crazy a crazy turn of events because I really truly think both of our lives would not be nearly what they are now had that conversation not happened totally and but it it blows my mind like that it was just like happenstance that we were together like it's just like right. the world works in mysterious the ways. universe the <laughs> universe was like um, the universe wanted lotus so they were yeah. like okay because <laughs> i remember like on oh. that train we were talking about oh my gosh like i can't believe that we've gotten to this point in our lives that we've never met or been able to talk about this with other people we were like we have to make this more possible for other yeah. people to create these connections because it means it like means so much to us um but yeah just crazy how that's how it all started but 
Oh, yeah, this is just so powerful and is really a testament to like what we're trying to build with Lotus and the power of conversation and connection. So thank you both for sharing. And it's just also just so nice to like think back to where we were a year ago and be like, wow, we've like made it this far. All of us, like I think all of our lives have like just it's crazy what we've done and, you know, how far we've all come. But it's really it's so special cool. and I'm so <laughs> grateful for you guys. <laughs> oh. <laughs> totally. Um, so I guess now that we've kind of talked about more of like the implications of your story, would you mind giving a bit more detail about how you found out about your uterine anomaly? Yeah, of course. Um, I'll definitely like start from the beginning. It's kind of a lengthy story. So buckle up. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it starts off like, almost a little bit funny in a way but I think the outcome like makes it a little bit less funny so it was my senior year of high school and my mom and I like one of our favorite things to do is the day after Thanksgiving is go out shopping for Black Friday together it's like been a long-standing tradition since I was literally like four years old like I don't even remember not doing it (laughs) so Um, sweet so we do that every year and I also got my period really late like I think it was like late junior year of high school like it was like extremely late um but it's like kind of normal in my family like that was expected so it was never like a big concern but we didn't realize that that also might have had like greater implications than just like genetics um but anyways so it was black friday we were shopping and i remember having the worst period cramps of my life like I was in so much pain. I was like sitting on the floor in like one of my favorite stores. Like, I don't even know, but I remember like sitting on the floor in the middle of this entire like room. There's a ton of people shopping around. And I was like, mom, like I cannot move. Like I am in so much pain. Like, I don't know what to do. Um, And so she's like, this is weird. Like my cramps were never this bad. Like, let me just give you some Advil. Like what's wrong with you? (laughs) And I was like, fair. I don't know. Maybe this is normal. Like I like hadn't really had my period that many times before that. So I didn't really know like, how my body like reacted because it was getting into the normal like cycle of things. So I didn't, I was like, Oh, maybe this is normal. Like this is terrible. I didn't realize how much like women had to go through every month. Like this is awful. (laughs) Um, So I didn't know that that was actually like not normal, but anyway, so the weekend kind of went on and I tried to tough it out. Like I was just taking Advil and like just trying to like brush it off. I was playing a lot of soccer and just very active. So I was trying to like, pretend that it was fine because I thought that maybe that was just like a normal amount of pain that I would have to withstand every month which was about to be so bad luckily that is not true um but so anyways I went to school that next Monday and this is also like a moment I won't forget because I'm very like ready to take on the day at school like (laughs) I I love school um and I remember sitting next to one of my best friends in high school and she looked at me and she was like you look like you were in so much pain like are you okay like you need to go home you need to go to the nurse like I were like it was it was I was in so much pain um so I went to the nurse and the only other time I went to the nurse ever was when I fell off a treadmill um in high school skin to my knees no (laughs) that's another story but I was really embarrassed (laughs) um so that was the literal only other time I've ever been to the nurse I think even elementary school middle school that was it um and so when she saw me she was like oh my god i'm calling your mom you do not look well um so my mom immediately took me to my pediatrician um and this is like 
an interesting point in the story as well, because this is something connected to my future hopes and where I hope to go in my own career, um, which was that at the time that was my primary care physician. I was teen or something. Um, and so it's just interesting. Like I hadn't seen a gynecologist yet. Like I didn't even like have that type of care yet. And I think this just brings up this field of pediatric gynecology being so important because it's kind of scary as a younger like going to the gynecologist is intimidating. There's like a lot of older women there that like are having a lot of other kind of things going on compared to like a 14, 15, 16, 17 year old um, young woman. Um, so anyways, as a quick sidebar, I think that was an interesting doctor that I would go to. I don't know if you guys had any of those experiences yeah. too. No, I think you bring up such an important aspect, which is that like, I remember the first time I went to a gynecologist, I was first of all, so nervous to ask my mom to go to one because mm -hmm. I was kind of, this was also before I was able to talk about my reproductive health and Lord knows I should have been seeing one, but mm -hmm. I remember like just being so nervous to ask her to go to one and she ended up like getting me an appointment. I think it was just for like, I don't know, just like a random little checkup, but with her gynecologist. And so again, you walk <laughs> in there, you're with like all these other older women and I'm, I'm just like sitting there like, what am I doing? Why? Like, so why, why am I here? It's scary. And mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense because if the average age for a um for a woman um or anyone with female reproductive anatomy to get their period is like what 13 12 mm -hmm. how come mm -hmm. you're not seeing anyone that specializes in those things until you're like 20 like it makes yeah. no <laughs> sense. sense i agree no <laughs> no yeah I, so i totally agree <laughs> frustrating yeah but anyway so i started at my pediatrician who is truly like an amazing person. I like look up to him so much and he is really just so smart, so wonderful. Um, and he also has like has built a very good relationship with my family, like over the years, like has been even almost more like a family doctor, even though he's just a pediatrician. Like he only sees children, but, like he's just great. Um, anyways, he also was like, Oh my gosh, like you never come to me for anything. Like I had strep once and like, broke my elbow. <laughs> like those that was the only time I ever really saw him outside of a well visit, which I'm so fortunate for. Um but he was like, something is definitely wrong. I'm going to order you an ultrasound right now. And you're going downstairs to the like, radiology lab. And I was like, what? Okay. Um, but what I didn't know was the type of ultrasound this was going to be, which was an intravaginal ultrasound. Um, and at that point, I like only just started wearing tampons. I was like, so not ready for this big machinery to be going inside of my little body. I was so scared. Um, luckily my mom was there. So she was like holding my hand the whole time. And I was like, this is so terrible. Like what is happening? Um, and it was, it felt like a really long time. Like that procedure was going on because there was like something that they saw that needed to be accurately captured in the ultrasound. Um, I just remember sitting there being like this, I'm so scared. What is going on? Um, but so then there was kind of actually concerns for cancer and there was like a lot of like tests I went through. Um, I think this was all in one week. So I like, again, I'm very wow. fortunate for how amazing my medical team was at this time. I genuinely have only great things to say. And I don't think that's true for a lot of people like in my position or in other kind of women plus is reproductive healthcare situations. I think I was very lucky and had a good team. Um, but that being said, it was like a very nerve wracking 
week. Um, and I was referred to a gynecologist like in the same building um, who identified this kind of rare uterine malformation and realized I needed emergency surgery because what was happening was like part of my uterus had not connected to the other side. And so every time I had a period, there was this one part that would just fill up with blood and it wouldn't be able to go anywhere. So it was that oh pushing God. on inside of my organs and internally, which was what was causing all that pain. Um, so I like immediately put on birth control to suppress periods to make sure that that like would not continue to happen and was scheduled for surgery. Um, around this time as well was actually, I had my diagnosis and I think like around the same couple of weeks, the first successful uterine transplant birth occurred in the United States. Um, and that was when I realized like, oh my gosh, medicine is so amazing. Like I could have this very kind of rare thing going on. And a couple of weeks later, it's this incredible story of a family of uh, this woman who I'm not entirely sure of her exact medical situation, but I know that she had had a uterine transplant and had very healthy, successful um, childbirth experience. So that's like a moment wow. with my mom that we were like, okay, it's gonna be okay. Like whatever this means, like it, this is like such right. an incredible time for medicine to be able to have that as an option. Um, that was just like a sidebar of why I think medicine is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I have a question and yeah. feel free if this is again too personal, sure. but I guess at that moment in time, were you thinking about like the implications for your reproductive health or was that not even really like something you thought about in that moment? Yeah. That's actually a perfect segue um, into like the next kind of phase of the story where I was meeting with the surgeon who was about to do uh, my surgery, of course. Um, and he was kind of like going through stuff quickly. And I think that's just the pace of everything that needs to get done as I'm learning even more in medical school now, like how little time physicians have with their patients and how you have to like get all the information out and da 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 da, whatever. So for me on the other side, as like getting cared for, I was like, whoa, this is all going so fast. And I remember I was with my mom and taking notes and I remember asking like, so what does this mean for my fertility? Like, am I able to have children? And I remember he said, don't look at the statistics. And that was like, we, I didn't know what that meant. I think looking back, what he meant was that medicine changes so quickly that the statistics will be improving soon. But what that also meant that the statistics are not looking good. Um, now and i it was just all such a whirlwind i remember stepping one foot out of his office and sobbing and i looked at my mom and i was like i just can't believe what this all means at 17 hearing that your own body and it's just something i think you expect i guess as an individual who has reproductive like anatomy that should facilitate uh, a birth and a pregnancy that i think it's not something that's really on your mind that you wouldn't be able to do that and all of a sudden this whole world was suddenly opened up that my body might not be able to do that um the way i was born just that is the end of that and it, it was this moment that my mom and i were like what is going on this is just not what we were expecting at all um so that was tough and he i remember the surgeon came back out and saw me sitting i don't even know there's like this little like seating area kind of not anywhere it was in a hallway um and he comforted me and was so good about it. And just like medicine is changing every day. 
it's yeah. like you never know what the future is going to hold like this doesn't mean you can't have children of your own there's also so many other options of course as we've i think already discussed on this platform like surrogacy and transplantation and adoption and there's just like there are so many ways to have children um but yeah it was it was a tough moment for sure um yeah yeah oh my gosh that i think just as you know bringing back so many thoughts about our conversation when we were in portugal but then also like thinking about my own experience too and like it's almost and again something that all of us have kind of had to think about at some point like mm -hmm. having biological children mm -hmm. and you know it's almost like of course there are so many other ways to have a family but when biologically your body as someone with female reproductive anatomy biologically we are supposed to have children that is like our goal mm -hmm. and it sucks but like you know that's just why the female body exists the way it does mm -hmm. like it is meant to reproduce it is meant to have children and it's kind of that biological implantation is almost embedded into culturally what you expect of females mm -hmm. to have children and then all of a sudden when you're young you do have that expectation, like you said, Mags. And then all of a sudden, one moment, one conversation, one medical diagnosis completely changes that. And it's mm -hmm. like, how do you grapple with knowing that your biology is almost like failing you? It's like your your body isn't doing what it's supposed to. And, and how do you, I don't know. And it's just such a tough thing to realize. And it's a really tough thing to process. Mm -hmm. Um and it sucks also when you think you're alone trying to process that and when you don't have a community to process that. And that's something obviously Lotus is trying to change, but mm -hmm. it is, I, I don't know. Those are just my thoughts immediately. <laughs> and yeah, that, that makes me think how, like, did you tell any of your friends or was it, did you keep it to yourself at that time? Yeah, that's a good question. I, so I had to like be out of school for, I think like two weeks or so. Um, I told my closest friends, I think luckily this surgery was scheduled actually during like midterms time. So there was a full week where you don't really see your typical classmates because people are like in and out for testing. And so it kind of came at like a good time. Um, but yeah, so I did tell my closest friends and it was difficult because um, how do you like really say like oh i just found out my body might not be able to produce children it was very heavy to talk about and i think my friend felt really bad and um yeah so i did tell my closest friends but not everyone i think i mostly kept it to myself my family like were like very close and they all knew and were so supportive um but it was still hard to talk about i remember even like my dad would like refer to it as like my stomach <laughs> and i was like no, like it's my uterus. <laughs> and I think that also just kind of points to the way that society, so like, oh, how's your stomach feeling? I'm like, it's not my stomach. <laughs> That's, oh my God. Yeah. That is a fascinating topic point, it's, which yeah. I think, yeah. Oh my God. It's just, that's it, so true. I feel yeah. like the few times I've like talked to my dad about my reproductive health, he's like, so how are like 
things like down there going on and I'm like okay we don't need to like talk about it like this like how am I like let's just normalize the conversation men please (laughs) let's not make it more awkward than it has to be yeah um oh my god people still do that today like I I was in LS2 which is like an anatomy class and some of the we were like doing some dissection and some of the guys were like referring to the uterus as the stomach and like being like oh this is oh where my god the children are or like the babies are. i was like what no these are like people at harvard like i was so confused oh, that no oh my god that like reminds me of have you guys seen the um I, I don't know if it's like on tiktok but when it's like i don't know what companies or people do it but they're like talking to people on the street and they ask these men i assume like can you draw the female anatomy system? Like, do you know what, like, what the vagina is or, like, how many holes are in the vagina? And every single guy is like, uh, I don't know. And it's like, they, like, don't even know what the difference between an ovary or a uterus is. And I don't know. It's just, that's a larger discussion point. But there's a lot of education to be had. (laughs) absolutely all of these things um yeah yeah, and I think going back to the point about talking about these issues with friends I think also there's this element of people almost you know at our age people don't talk about families that much you know it's not like oh are you trying to get pregnant no 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 Mm -hmm. like that's not a conversation now but at the same time I do feel like I have found myself in situations and I'm curious if you guys have as well where it's almost like, well, what are you going to name your kids someday? Mm. Or like, do you have a baby names list? Mm -hmm. Or like, how many kids do you want? And of course, there are like these optimistic aspirations and, you know, for 10 years Mm. down the line. But when you're someone that has a little bit more of a complicated story, I have found myself in those situations kind of being really uncomfortable and not Mm. really sure how to navigate that. Um, Because, of course, the way that I hope to have a family someday is, in all honesty, going to be very different than somebody with normal reproductive Mm -hmm. health. So I think even in these, like, smaller little interjections, you know, they do sometimes carry greater implications for people that have these issues. Absolutely. I actually, that, like, reminded me of a story of, one of my close friends who I remember we had just had plans to like snag a coffee before class. This was in college um, and whatever. And it was like a light conversation. We were catching up. And I remember like he was saying that in his life, like one of the greatest things he could imagine is having a family of his own. And he was asking me like, how many kids do I want? And what do I think? And I got kind of awkward and like had to stop and decide in my mind if this was something I wanted to share with him as like kind of bridging that gap to become a very, very close friend, or if this was something that I wanted to skip over and move on. And I decided to share it with him. And we ended up staying at this coffee shop for like hours. I skipped class. Like we talked for so long and our relationship got a lot deeper as friends, like understanding that side. But I, I don't think it's often that that decision is made to share. Um, And 
it's just like an example again of like that kind of difficulty when these kind of light fun topics of oh what are you naming your kids and how many do you want and where do you want to live it's supposed to be lighter in a way but it's not for everyone um Mm -mm. that's a really good point kate Mm. um but i'm excited to finally be at this point in my life where i feel like i can share this more freely and be on this mission through lotus to encourage other people like myself to be able to discuss this and make lifelong connections like with you guys um through these kind of shared feelings and concerns and emotions um and i'm just so looking forward to the community to continue to grow and to build so that everyone is able to find one another and be able to discuss topics like this that are so personal um, that it can be so healing to be open about it and and be able to have these strong connections. Well, this was incredible. Thank you so much for sharing this story. I feel like with anyone in general, I think it would really resonate with them, like any women plus, just to be able to hear about your own experiences. And this is very powerful. I'm I'm really appreciative. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And obviously, you know, I think just kind of going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, like this is kind of nerve wracking and there is this, you know, it's a little bit intimidating, definitely anxiety producing. And so just thank you so much for taking that vulnerable step and doing this because I truly believe, and we are the testament to that, you know, the three of us are the testament to this, but I do truly believe that by having one conversation at a time, you really can transform so many people's lives. So thank you so much for sharing, Mags. We love you so much. (laughs) Love you guys. (laughs) Incredible. I'll I'll see us to the end. But as always, make sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at lotus.health.app. We'll be posting quite a few TikToks (laughs) in the next coming weeks um, to be on the lookout. Um, And make sure to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts to be notified when our next one is released. And thank you all so much for listening and have a great day, night, whatever (laughs) podcast app. But thank you. Bye.